Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. All right, welcome back, everybody. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show, and we bring in my great pal, John Carney, Breitbart News Editor for Economics and Finance and co-author of the Breitbart Business Digest. Hello, John. Hi, Larry. So, so... Inflation is not dead, and interest rates, at least the Fed's target rate, has not peaked. And we were talking about 6% Fed funds rate on the TV show yet. Was it yesterday? It must have been yesterday. Yesterday. Maybe it was Thursday. Yes, yesterday. It was yesterday. Time flies when you're having fun. And um, what do you make of this story? I think, you know, the stock market had a very bad week, including yesterday. And, I, I mean, I think a lot of these... Wall Street guys and gals kind of talk themselves in to the end of inflation and the end of the Fed rate hikes and rate cuts. And I don't, I've never seen such a, such a miscue, misdirection, miss everything from Wall Street. I mean, maybe I have, maybe it's been out there before, but um, this story is going to be a lot tougher than people think. It was really extraordinary over the last month. We got one pretty good month of data in December. November wasn't so bad. December seemed really good. And basically, Wall Street convinced itself, that's it. Inflation's over. We're on the glide path out of here. We're going to be done. Uh, That was foolish for a number of reasons. One, just you can never decide that a new trend has begun with just one month of data. Number two, we now have revised that data, so it wasn't anywhere near as good as everybody thought it was back in December. We now see, actually, inflation was running much hotter in December, and it has accelerated to a very serious degree, and not just like a few items here or there, but all across the board, services, goods. Everybody talked about goods inflation going away, but it hasn't gone away. And so we are seeing a reacceleration in January. I don't want to make the same mistake and say, you know, that's it. You know, inflation's heading back up to 9%. I don't think that's right. But I do think that the fight to bring down inflation is going to be a lot harder than Wall Street was giving it credit for. And this kind of soft landing that led to the huge rally that we saw in January, I, I think is uh, going to be looked at as a major mistake by all the analysts. You know, um, talking about some of these Underneath the hood numbers, energy up 9.6%, food up 11.1%. You're right about goods. Goods up 4.7%, services up 5.7%. And then the PPI was 6%, the CPI was 6.4%. The Atlanta Fed wage tracker is uh, 6.1%. And your favorite measure, which you turned me on to, the Cleveland median is uh, seven or seven point one? Well, so the Cleveland median is is not seven point one. The thing that's seven point one is if you annualize the January number, we give oh, us seven point one percent inflation, and that that's important because what it, it gives you a picture of if inflation keeps going at the rate it was in January, it's seven point one. Now, look, that's again, you don't want to extrapolate too much from one month. If you take a three month average of PCE inflation. It's 4.7, which is still really high. Mm. Uh, let's call underlying inflation somewhere between those. So like 5 or 6% is probably the right number, which is where the median uh, CPI is. No, so no, the that. median CPI is 7.1, John. 
Oh well, see, I'm, I'm I, looking I right at it. I'm you're looking. right. No, you're you're right, and that so so look, this is uh, a that is a lot of inflation. The and we're and again, we're not going to get through that. Remember, the Fed wants to get down to ten, to two percent. A lot of people thought that we were going to be even close to that by the end of this year. I think if you look at all these numbers from January, it's really hard to imagine that we get anywhere in the neighborhood of 2% by the end of this year, which means the Fed can't cut, right? Like this idea that, oh, the Fed will start cutting. They can't cut if we're at 4%. Well, your point point last night on the show was you got to have a positive real Fed funds rate, and we're not near there. I mean, that's we're, right. we're I, I don't care near, what measure you use. We're not near there. So the Fed, th- the target's got to have to go up, John, quite a bit. I, I think the Fed, yes, I think people are rethinking this now. They've already built in another 25 basis points. So people had it ending at like five to five, two, five. Now they're saying five and a half, maybe. Mm. I think, you know, in a month's time, I think you and I will be talking about how Wall Street has moved its you know, expectations up to 6%, and it may have to go higher than that. Because again, you do need a positive rate, I think, to uh, bring down inflation. And as long as the interest rate is still a real negative rate, then I, I just don't see how we get there. John, let's switch gears. You wrote up this piece, kind of interesting. 50-year-old confidential Fed memo reveals a secret debt ceiling Escape hatch. Now, you got to understand, John, 50 years ago, I was at the New York Fed. (laughs) (laughs) I was in open. I was a junior research guy in the open market operations department. So as I understood it, I was uh, reading this thing. There's the out here is what? If the Fed refrains from tendering for redemption its holdings of treasury bills as they mature, that would open up uh, or leave the treasury with some cash. In other words, um, they don't... No, I'm not sure I understand this because the the treasury bills are going to mature. So you're saying the Fed shouldn't buy them back or the Fed shouldn't let them mature? I'm not sure I understand. Yeah, Yeah, so here's... So the background here, right, is Paul Volcker, who was then undersecretary of Treasury, right. uh, calls up uh, the Fed and says, hey, look, we're going to need some extra cash um, to pay the bills because the debt because the debt ceiling had been had expired. Basically, they had, they had raised the debt ceiling, but only on a temporary basis. It was expiring. So they were going to find themselves you know, needing to both pay off the things that mature, the bills that matured, and also, you know, make the normal government expenditures. And they were worried they would run out of money because they couldn't borrow anymore. So, you know, standard debt ceiling dilemma. And what they figured out is if they didn't have to make payments to the Federal Reserve, mm. because the bills that were matured weren't tendered, uh, then you could then you could not make the payments that would leave you extra cash to pay the other uh, expenditures as they came due. And so basically what the Fed would be doing is sitting on matured treasuries, but not bringing them in for redemption. Is that, uh, no, is that, is that what if, if I own a three-month treasury bill and I wanted my money back, they wouldn't give it to me. 
so yes, they, so that is what they are saying is they're saying basically the Fed agreed. And, the, and what, what, what amazed me was that the Fed actually did agree. They said, <laughs> yeah, we could do this. Right. And that the, that the Fed general counsel told the Fed chairman, you can do it on your own authority. There's nobody else who, you know, you don't need, you don't even need the FOMC. You should probably tell them you're doing this, but you can do it on your own. And this was the backup plan in 1973, 1974. Remember, this was, it was expiring, but this was the backup plan in 1973, December, for how they were going to be able to keep spending. It never actually became operational because Congress actually passed a clean debt ceiling raise. Mm. And so they didn't actually end up having to do this. But what's interesting to me, one, is that this memo was secret Mm. until 2020. Mm. Uh, Nobody knew that. So the last time we had a debt ceiling crisis, if you want to put it that way, back in 2011, nobody knew that this memo even existed. Uh, I mean, you know, some people did. Maybe you did, Larry. I won't ask you to reveal your. uh, (laughs) I didn't know know. any secrets. Nobody talked to me. I was too junior. (laughs) But so this thing existed, and um, and then it was quietly released in 2020. But you know, you and I and everybody else had a lot of other things on our minds in 2020. Right. And so it it hasn't been noticed until now when I dug it up in the Fed archives. You know, it's funny. Uh, I was just thinking. Could they get away with that now? It uh, might actually be harder to do now than it was because everything is automated. Oh, right? you don't have to yeah. Bring anything right, in right. to be redeemed. You don't have to say, That's hey, please right. give me my money. They just give you the money. Um, so they would actually have to sort of, you know, like reprogram the computer to, to stop it. Now, look, I don't think – the, the, these days, I, I, one, the Biden administration, I don't think will ask the Fed to do anything like this because they want to put pressure on Congress to pass a, uh, a, you know, to waive the debt ceiling or to raise it. So they don't want to let anybody know there's a backup plan. And, you, and it's hard to imagine. I mean, it actually isn't that hard. I can imagine Janet Yellen yeah. Making a phone call to Jerome Powell and be like, hey, look, we're going to be in a sticky situation for a couple of days. Can you guys just hold back? Don't let things mature. And, you know, the Fed doesn't want to cause a, a you know, financial crisis. So, of course, <laughs> they'll say, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll hold on to the, the, the bills, and, you know, and it won't get it won't get redeemed. The Fed has some extra money. It, that couldn't last forever, obviously. This isn't a long-term solution. Well, the newspapers are all right about it, but I don't think the public would care. I don't, really, I don't think the public would understand any of it. In fact, I don't think the public understands any of this stuff in the first place. <laughs> That's right. I think, I think actually the, the, the media is totally wrong when they say if the, if the Treasury doesn't pay any bill, Right. Or any, you know, if they refuse to make some payment, like like a Medicaid reimbursement payment to a hospital. Right. If they if they if the Treasury can't do that, they say that will cause an international global financial meltdown. I don't think that's true at all. I think (laughs) I think the bond market is smart enough to know the difference between, you know, not paying off a defense contractor for a couple of days and not paying your treasuries. I think the world financial markets would be much more cognizant of a higher and higher Fed funds target rate. That's right. And I think ordinary folks who have mortgages and credit cards would be more cognizant of that also. Anyway, we will leave it there. Uh, John Carney at Breitbart.
Thank you. I, I love the pictures, you know. <laughs> I knew Arthur Burns very, very. I, I knew some of these guys, believe it or not. I knew these it. These guys are always smoking in all the pictures yes. in congressional testimony. I, it, it's, I, I love it. I hope everybody subscribes to the Breitbart <laughs> Business Digest because we're really the only place you're going to find the pictures of Volker and Burns. It's fabulous. You know, with pipes and cigars. It's absolutely it's fabulous. Absolutely. Here's Volker. Volker was the president of the New York Fed. This is before he was chairman of the board. Uh, and I was a um, as speechwriter. Believe it or not, it was my last job at the New York Fed after they kicked me a out of open market. Copy. I have a signed copy of the Volcker Rule ah. by Paul Volcker. So it's up on a frame <laughs> in my office at home. So. All right. John Carney of Breitbart. Thank you, love. Time, appreciate it very, very much. Folks, I'm Cudlow. We'll take a quick break. Other side of the break, we've got special guest Kimberly Gilfoyle, old friend of mine. Uh, she'll be here to talk about her new TV gig. I'm Cudlow. We'll be right back. Larry Kudlow, 77 WABC. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 